All right, thank you for that, young people. And uh, thank you for those who are working with the children as well. Um, Heather and uh, Jessica and Linda Mandris and several others who are helping out. Thank you for doing that. And I came along the front here this morning and said, hey, this is the one time a year where the front is full. Uh, and uh, then as soon as the kids sang, they all got up and moved to the back. But we still got some who st uh, stayed, stayed true to the front seat. I picked on some back seaters uh, a few, few weeks ago. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. I know we have some visitors that are here today and the families that have come to see the children sing. Thank you for being here and joining us on a Sunday morning uh, this Christmas season. It's Christmas time of year. In Matthew chapter 1 through 17, Matthew records for us Jesus' family tree, the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew records a line here in Matthew chapter 1, and Luke records Jesus' family tree. If you read the two family trees um, from David to Mary and Joseph, the lines are different, the names are different. Uh, and the reason is, is because Luke is recording Jesus' family tree through Mary uh, as born Mary. So Mary's parents, descendants, all the way back to King David and then from King David back to Adam. Matthew's recording Jesus' family tree through his legal father, his earthly father, not his biological father, but Joseph, all the way back to not just David, not to Adam, but to Abraham. And then the list here, we read last week, we did a, a portion of the genealogy and saw some women who are included in Jesus' family tree. And I'd like for you to look down in verse 16 and 17, just for the sake of time and um, my own mistakes of reading the names again. Uh, we're just going to look at verse 16 and 17 here as far as our reading this morning. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away of Babylon into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, would you bless our time in the Word of God this morning? Thank you for the Christmas story. Thank you for even these genealogies, these names here that to us uh, don't seem to, to be um, relevant for Christmas, but to you they are a marker for, for our knowledge and our learning. Uh, to help us understand the foundation of the Christmas story, why things are the way they are, where they are going, where we've been. Help us as we learn from history. We also uh, learn some, some lessons that are difficult at times to, to, to learn. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. My wife and I, a few years back, uh, went to a symphony concert in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I purchased the tickets online through what I thought was a reputable website for the tickets. Uh, we got a hotel, we dressed up, we ate a nice meal that night, and went to the concert. While checking in, things seemed to go well as we checked through the line, got through, and got our tickets through, until later, in the before, just around the time the, the program started, a security guard came to us and told us that our tickets were invalid and stolen. He escorted us to the door. I was ashamed and embarrassed and kind of got mad a little bit. I called the company that I'd bought the tickets through and uh, tried to figure out, but there was nothing that they could do. Somehow, maybe a third party that had come in and double booked um, and tickets. And we couldn't buy any more tickets because the concert was full at that point. And so we were on the naughty list. We couldn't get in. We were excluded. We felt we, we, we were left off and excluded and left outside in the rain. Now, do you know what that feels like to be included and to be, then to be excluded? 
We're going to come back to that in just a moment here. I heard a pastor spent 30 years of Christmas sermons and never once to preach through the genealogy of Jesus. The gospel gives us Jesus' family tree. And Jesus' family tree, we find some fascinating treasures. We find some wonderful things, things that amaze us, things that puzzle us. Things that cause us to be puzzled and interesting enough, Jesus' family tree is not much different than your family tree. It's filled with horror, amazement, mystery, frustration, disappointment, impossibilities, war, jealousy, marital infidelity, murder, slavery, immigration, foreign, foreigners, education, poverty, wealth, you name it. It's listed in Jesus' family tree. And sometimes we have the tendency when we come to genealogies in the Bible, whether it's the book of Numbers or the book of Chronicles or maybe even here in your Christmas reading in Matthew and Luke, is to come to these names that are difficult to read, even for Bible scholars to pronounce and to figure out how they are. And even some of the names here are listed one way in the New Testament, but they're referenced a different way in the Old Testament. There's some confusion about some of these names and take a little bit of extra study. We oftentimes will skip over those hard places. But 1 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Romans chapter 15 tells us that the scriptures were given for our learning uh, and, and we can learn from them. And last week, we talked about Jesus' family tree through Abraham and David. We talked about those two characters that come up in verse 1 and again show up in verse 17. They begin the family tree and they end the family tree. David being the prominent one, Abraham being the prominent one, but Jesus being the most important as he begins the list and he ends the list. We also saw in this family tree a treasure of five women. This was highly unusual. A family tree that follows the father to the son. Forty male names that doesn't normally contain the names of mothers. And yet, in Jesus' family tree, we have five mothers. We talked last week, just for a review, what these women tell us in the inclusion into Jesus' family tree. They tell us of hope and peace and joy and love and fulfillment as each one of their stories fits into the plan of God. Reminds us of some themes that Jesus has come into this world to give us true hope, to give us joy and love and peace and the fulfillment of the promises of God. These women also tell us of th that they share in disgrace. We have some kind of pain and sorrow through these stories. And some of the stories are hard to read and hard to tell and hard to think through. And sometimes hard to speak about in public in mixed company. These women have terrible stories and painful pasts. Some of them carry hurt, the hurt to their death. These women are far from perfect, yet they find their way into Jesus' family tree. These women also tell us a wonderful story of God's grace. Not just that they share in disgrace and shame and pain and sin, but they also tell us and they point to the very grace of God that they're included. Each one of them find God's grace in some amazing way through their hardship and difficulty. You see, no one is too far a sinner that they can't be reached by the amazing grace of our God. The inclusion of any name in this list speaks of the grace of God. This terrible mark and stain on David's name. The lies and disbelief of Abraham. The shame of the life of Solomon. The human sacrifices that came through Manasseh. Why are any of these names listed in the, li in the family tree of a perfect human being? It's because of the grace of God, the grace that is greater, as we sang last week, than all our sin. Christmas is not only a story of love and peace and joy and hope, but Christmas is a story of God's amazing grace. What a treasure to be included in the family tree of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Matthew's list is selective here. 
He has chosen based on a pattern for a purpose to include some names like Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba and Mary on purpose. These, those included here are here because they have a place in the plan of God and God wants to highlight that. They are inserted here because God uses these type of people in to accomplish His plan. Gentiles like Rahab and Ruth and women. Every day a first century Jewish man would wake up in the morning and say his prayers. And in the process of saying his prayers he would say this. Lord, I thank thee that I am not a Gentile. And I thank thee that I am not a woman. This is the prejudice that was going on in Judaism. They would also include, as Jesus would say later on, I thank thee that I'm not a publican and sinner. So a Gentile, a woman, a publican and sinner, that just shows you the, the prejudice that was going on in the first century. Yet in the line and family tree of Jesus is included on purpose, selected by Matthew through the Holy Spirit to draw attention to it right away in the first few verses of the Bible to draw your attention on purpose that in the New Testament, Gentiles and women are included in the grace of God. The outcasts of the Jewish culture. And if these type of people are included in the family tree of Jesus and it's vitally important to his heritage, then it should not surprise us one bit that the Messiah would include these type of people as his disciples. Jesus includes outcasts and sinners, publicans, Gentiles and women and fishermen and tax collectors as his faithful followers. He chooses them to follow him. Because Jesus understands in his long line of the grace of God, that's the type of people that make up the plan and the purpose of God. That tells us a little bit about the God we serve. That he included us. The inclusion of people who don't belong that's the emphasis that we talked about last week. These people don't belong in Jesus' family tree, but it is because of the grace of God they are included in the family tree. But there's not only a lesson that we can learn from those who are included, but we can learn a lesson from those who are excluded. Purposely skipped. You know, sometimes learning lessons, it's... It is just as important about the things that are silent, that are missed, that are left out, than the things that are present, that are put in, and that are highlighted. So this morning, I wanted to look at, just as, a, as a, eventually, we're going to get to this, the names that are missing in Jesus' family tree. Matthew's list is selective. On purpose. He purposely names people in here who don't belong in a normal family tree. But Matthew also purposely, selectively by the Holy Spirit, leaves out some names that do belong in Jesus' family tree. And he does this on purpose. So this is still the introduction. I have a few things I want you to to note here, and I think it's good for us, especially when we, we see this, to learn a little bit of history. Look down in verse 17, and when Matthew wraps up the genealogy of Jesus after coming to Mary and Joseph, of whom Jesus is born, who is called the Messiah, that's Christ, then he gives us a commentary of what he's doing with this genealogy in verse 17. He divides the genealogy into three sections of 14 names. 42 names together divided here um, into, uh, into three sections, 14, 14, and 14. You see that? These division of these names, um, now Matthew has to, to do some loops to do that. I just told you, he has to be selective to actually get the number he gets. He has to leave some names out to make the equation, right? We're going to talk about that eventually. 
But notice the division in verse 17. What Matthew does here, Matthew is going to tell the history of Israel in one sentence. He's going to remind Jewish people of their heritage in this one verse from Abraham to the present, from Abraham to Jesus, and he's going to divide it into three different periods. Matthew's a historian. He's going he's to help us to understand. He's going to teach a history lesson by using these names, by helping us to think through. Remember, in the oral tradition, they would learn their history through repetitive uh, listening and hearing names and dates that many of you don't like and don't, uh, don't you know, try to quickly forget off your history test. But these names and dates and periods are very important. And when you read the Old Testament, you're going to read history. And this history is telling a story. And in verse 17, right at the beginning of this book, before Matthew continues to tell the rest of history that it's all going to culminate in this person of Jesus Christ, he wants to remind the Jewish people of their past. Remember, Matthew is writing to predominantly a Jewish culture, a Jewish audience. So these names and these periods of time are going to be very uh, well acquainted with by the original readers of the book of Matthew. So notice the first section between Abraham and David. There are 14 generations. This marks out for us the history in the Old Testament, what we call the patriarchal period. It starts in Genesis chapter 12, follows through the book of Genesis, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph, the 12 sons of Israel. It moves into the book of Judges, Joshua, Ruth, and into 1st and 2nd Samuel. These names are listed for us, the names in this genealogy of this section between Abraham and David are listed for us in the book of Genesis, in the book of Ruth, and in the book of First Chronicles chapter 2, where the sons of Judah go down to the descendant David himself. So these names that are listed in Matthew are recorded in the Old Testament through those three books. Genesis, Ruth, and First Chronicles. Within this time frame, God established His covenant with His people, starting with the Abrahamic covenant. Then Genesis chapter 12 and 15, when God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to, I'm going to bless you and, and I'm going to give you a land and you're going to be blessed and all the nations of the world are going to be blessed through you. And the rest of, of that section and that time period is going to be characterized by that covenant. Then the covenant that it gives to Moses in the book of Leviticus and in the book of Exodus when God comes to his people now as a nation that has come out of Egypt, the descendants of the 12 sons of Jacob and the promise that God is going to tie as he writes for them his commandments and puts them on tablets and in scrolls and allows them now to have the written word of God, his covenant with his people. And then they go into the promised land under Joshua and there they are told to obey the promises that God, has kept, that God has given them and God will bless them in the land. And so we have during this time frame a mark of, P, uh, of, of promise and covenant with God. And then this time period ends with the covenant with David that one day he will have a son who will sit on the throne forever and ever. And it is through his throne and through his dynasty that all the world will be blessed. So the beginning and the end of this time period is marked in Jewish history through our Old Testament and our Scripture as the section of God's promise and covenant to His people. Look down in verse 17 at the second division that is listed here. From David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. This time period picks up between David all the way to the captivity, one of the last kings of Israel, Jehoiachin. This is recorded for us, or Jehoiachin as is mentioned in this genealogy, but the name is the same as Jehoiachin. This next division is listing us for us the monarchy or the united kingdom and the divided kingdom. This would be the years of the books of First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and the majority of the major and minor prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, Hosea, 
uh, Joel, the book of Jonah, a lot of these books that you find in the last portion of your Old Testament takes place during this time period. The prophets Elijah and Elisha lived during this time. And so this is a time that is marked by constant reiteration of being obedient to God's word. But it's also marked by failure. The Jewish people constantly fail in their obedience to God. This time period is marked by divisiveness, division, constant wavering, disobedience, sinfulness, idolatry, mixed with a few revivals here and there, maybe under Hezekiah and Josiah. That's about it. It's marked by constant failure and disappointment from God to his people as a one king after the next, one prophet after the next, they get God's word and then they walk away. They fail God over and over and over again until eventually God's patience has run out and he brings judgment. So the third division that is listed at the end of verse 17 is from the carrying away into Babylon unto the Messiah, our 14 generations. This last period runs from the captivity all the way to Joseph, Jesus' earthly uh, legal father, stepfather. Much of this time frame and the names we don't necessarily have in the Scripture. It was during this time that Israel was taken to Babylon under Daniel and then returned under Zerubbabel. We do have Jeconiah and a few of the sons of Zerubbabel recorded in 1 Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17. But the names from Zerubbabel to Joshua, 400 or 500 years, we don't have a record of their names anywhere in the Old Testament. This is the only spot in Matthew chapter 1 where the records of those men from Zerubbabel down to Joseph that we have recorded. This time period was marked by discipline. Judgment. You see, the whole reason that they went into captivity is because God judged them for their rebellion. God judged them because they did not listen to His Word. They constantly failed. And Israel thought that since there was no judgment of God, that they could continue to live as they pleased and however they wanted. The period before the captivity, the Jewish people had basically come to the place where you say, yeah, we know the prophet said this. We know that God said this. But we constantly live generation after generation and nothing's happened. We'll continue to do as we please. But it did happen. God did bring judgment. And can I remind you as a principle of application for our present day, this is the same type of spirit that's in our world today. Judgment has not come. We know the Bible, we know the prophets, we know the scripture, but we've lived 2,000 years since the Bible was written and nothing has happened. We'll keep on living just like we please. But I'm going to tell you, eventually at some point, God's mercy and God's patience will run out and God will say, enough. Whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not, the promises that God has said that judgment will come to this world will come. And the Jewish people had gotten to the point in the Old Testament history that, yeah, we know what God says, but it hasn't come yet, so we don't care. We're going to continue to do as we please. And eventually God brought captivity and judgment and cast them from the land. Yes, he brought a few of them back in a time and brought a remnant, and then we come to the time of Jacob, and eventually Jesus is born. And during this time Jesus is born, who runs the land of Palestine? The Romans. Who's on the throne in Israel? Not a Jewish king. Uh, Herod is on the throne, ruled as a puppet under Caesar Augustus. So it's interesting as we think about this, this captivity that comes even after Zerubbabel, a time of darkness that comes into the life of Israel. For 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, it is dark. It is silent. God's judgment is upon His people. Between the names of Abihu and Jacob, the father of Joseph, there is nothing. They are not found anywhere except in Matthew. And can I point out just the fact the Jewish people kept detailed family history, family trees during this time. They kept records. I told you last week they needed those records for proof of their lineage. For instance, in Luke chapter 2, 
Do you remember what the Scripture says in the first century? They obviously knew their family heritage and they could prove it because Luke says in Luke that Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David which is called Bethlehem. Why? Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. Why did Joseph go to Bethlehem in the first place? Because according to the Roman census, everyone was to return to their own lineage, their own home. How did you prove that you were from Bethlehem? You had to know your family tree. You had to know your family heritage. And can I remind you as of course of, of also an example as well in the book of Philippians when, when Paul is giving his heritage. Do you remember? He said, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin. The Apostle Paul knew his lineage, knew his tribe, knew his heritage, and he was detailed in his list of his heritage. I want to make a comment, just some history. I don't want to bore you, but I do want you to understand the importance that history plays in the Christmas story. In 70 AD, Titus the Roman emperor, at that time he was a general, came in and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. In fact, he ravaged the Holy Land. He plundered and basically burnt every village and city in the Holy Land because of rebellion. Scattered the Jewish people all over Palestine and the known world. In 189 AD, under the Romans, the Jewish records in their synagogues and libraries were all destroyed. They were burned. Today, the Jewish people cannot prove their tribes. They cannot directly prove their family trees. Now, DNA may come along and help them one day in the future with this issue of tribes, potentially. I don't know. But not one Jewish person alive today can prove without a shadow of a doubt that he is a son of David. Not one. No one can take a document and legally prove that they are in the line of the throne of David. And I would contend because of the last 2,000 years of those lost history, Jewish males cannot prove their line to David. The last person to prove his line to the throne of David legally and by record was Jesus of Nazareth. And I would contend there never will be another person. Other than the fact that potentially in the book of Revelation during the tribulation, there may be someone who fabricates fake news to claim his right to the throne. We would call that an anti-Messiah. Now, I say all of that to show you that it is important that the names that are listed here in Matthew chapter 1 are proving without a shadow of a doubt. Nobody denied the legitimacy of these names in this heritage. Nobody denied it. And nobody can deny it to this day. Jesus is in, is in the rightful place legally and biologically to be the king of the Jews. Now, I say all of that. We have a few minutes left. I want to draw your attention to some names that are uh, omitted in this text. The omissions do not compromise the integrity of the genealogy. The list is intended to prove descent, not an exhaustive list. The word beget, when it says the father beget the son, and the names that are listed here, it's a general term just meaning ancestry. So it can be used for a father to a grandson or a great-grandson. It's fine. A name can be omitted. A generation can be skipped. As long as the descendant is, is in the line, it's okay. This word is used, and it's oftentimes in this fashion. We find the missing names in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 8. We find them absent, if you want to put it that way, in verse 8 and in verse 11, and there are four of them. Who's missing? In verse 8, we have Asa beget Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat beget Jehoram, and Jehoram beget Uzziah, or Ozias. Between Jehoram and Ozias, there are three kings missing. 
Three sons. Son, grandson, and great-grandson. They're missing. And in verse 11, look down in there. And Josias begat Jehoiachin, or Jehoiachin is, is another way of pronouncing it. If you, have a, um, if you have notes in your side margin, like my Bible, you have the name Jehoiachin. It's the same person. And his brethren, about the time they were carried away into Babylon. Between Josiah and Jehoiachin, there is one king. This is actually from father to grandson. There is one father that is missing in that generation as well. So for the sake of time, I, I can't necessarily take you, because our time is almost over anyway, to 1 Chronicles chapter 3. That's where you find the missing names. If you want to compare the genealogy here, you want to uh, read through the names, you will find those names included in 1 Chronicles 3, verses 10 and 12. And you will find these names in 1 Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 15. You will find the missing links. There are four names missing in the genealogy of Jesus. There are four men missing in his family tree. And that's important, right? We want to know who the missing men are. Where did they come from? I remember a few years ago, we took a family photo during Christmas time where we were all together. And my dad wanted to give my mom a, a picture of all of the dads and the grandchildren, all her sons and the grandchildren. All. And so we went down to the park and we were sitting right there and, and we all sat there on a log by the Illinois River and all the kids were there and, and the dads were there and we were all sitting there. My dad got in there and we got some, a stranger to take our picture and then my dad framed that picture as a five by eight or you know, whatever it was, and, and, and put it in a, and as a Christmas gift to my mom. And when she opened it up at Christmas, she noticed immediately two things. Mom notices. Moms notice things. Number one, she noticed someone that didn't belong. On that trip to the park that day, we brought a neighbor girl. And the neighbor girl came with us to play with our girls, and we went to the park, and there she was sitting on the log. I don't even remember her name, all right? And mom was like, who is that? <laughs> oh, well, there's just somebody that just showed up, you know, all right? Somebody that was included that didn't belong. And then she immediately noticed, where's Adeline? Adeline was just little, I think, at the time, in toddler age. And um, I, I, I can't remember what the reason was somehow, but she did not make it to that trip. And what my dad thought was all of the grandkids, all of a sudden, you had one missing, right? She received the gift. She enjoyed the gift. She's all there. But we always knew that gift is the one where there was someone that didn't belong and there was someone missing that did belong, right? I use that as an illustration to help you to understand in the line of Jesus, grandpa's left out. Where's grandpa? Right? Where's Grandpa so-and-so? Where's Grandpa this? And, and there, there's four of them that aren't there. They belong. Now, I want to tell you why. Here, just quickly. First of all, most all commentaries have indicated this was for pure memorization. Matthew purposely, selectively points out these three generations of 14 for a sake of memorization. Remember, they were, especially if you were in the line of the throne of David, you were to memorize your heritage. You were to know your family tree. They didn't have it plastered like I do in my house up in the up, upstairs living room where it's just like, there's your family tree and all the names and who you belong or whatever. They didn't have that. You had to have it all up here. And interesting enough, those of you that read English history and Russian history and some of the other histories as well, that the, the children in the line of the throne had to know their family heritage front and back. All up here. They had to memorize it. To memorize it was very important. Some of these names are hard to memorize. I don't know about you, but if I was a little boy and I was Jesus, you know, he had perfect memory, but if I was Jesus, I had to learn all these names that I can barely even read them here. But to memorize them all and to have them and be able to know exactly who they were. So Matthew, possibly even in Jesus with his family, divided these up into these numbers of 14 to help them. A.T. Robertson in his Harmony of the Gospel said this, This rather artificial structure is intended as an easy help to memorize your heritage. So in Jesus' family tree, it helps him to memorize his genealogy. He can divide them up into three groups of 14. 
help him memorize each group at a, one time. And a few names are omitted, that's fine, but the main purpose is to prove your descent. Second, let me offer a reason here, another reason. There are four names that are missing. This is also an indication that possibly there are four generations of evil. You can just write this down. I believe that these names were left out because of the result of one evil generation on another. That does not mean specifically that all the other men were not evil. In fact, they were. All of the men are evil. But I believe these men are left out particularly because they were evil with a generation that was cursed. You can write in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5. The Bible says this, For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. I have visited the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So I believe these men were men who God hated. And their record in the Old Testament testified to us that these were men of Judah who were marked by a curse of God. And God said, leave them out. Each one of these men were filled with sinful habits that ruined their lives and their kingships. Can I just list them for you here this morning as time is fleeting? The first one is Ahaziah, recorded in 2 Chronicles 22. A-H-A-Z-I-A-H, Ahaziah. He is marked by evil counsel. His son was Joash, J-O-A-S-H, mentioned in 2 Chronicles 24, 20. He actually was marked because he was one of the kings who killed the prophet Zechariah by stoning him in the court of the temple. Later, Jesus will refer to that in his, in his sermon and in one of his messages. The third is Amaziah, A-M-A-Z-I-A-H, in 2 Chronicles 25, 14. He ended up bowing himself down to the gods of Seir. In verse 20, he sought after the gods of Edom and he would lifted himself up with pride and brought in idolatry. These three men connected are father, son, and grandson. Three generations right there in a row. Interesting enough, if I could just tell you just briefly the history of, of, or at least the connection, these three men were descendants of an evil queen named Athaliah. If you read in 2 Chronicles 22 through 25, you will read the story of this evil queen. Athaliah was the daughter of King Ahab and Jezebel. If you remember the story of Athaliah, she was a very evil queen. Ahab married his daughter off to the southern king of Judah as an alliance between the two northern kings, Jehoram. He's listed in Jesus' family tree. His wife was Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. How about that for in-laws? For the sake of time, I don't want to bore you with all the details, but you can read about the life of Athaliah. She was none other than a wicked lady. If her mother was Jezebel, you can imagine. The story reads like a mix between a horror movie and a soap opera. I wish I had time to tell you all the details about it. Her story is in 2 Kings chapter 8 and 2 Chronicles chapter 21. 2 Chronicles 22 Athaliah's main desire was to completely wipe out the Davidic line. She hated Judah. Remember, her parents were in the north and her mother was um, from Tyre and Sidon. After her husband died, she set herself up as queen of Judah. She wanted nothing more than to rule the throne for herself. She hated God, she hated her husband, and she hated the legal ruler on David's line. You can read her story in 2 Kings 8. She actually ordered the execution of all of the royal line of David once her son passed away. It was, it was a priest who in secret rushed in and secretly rescued the only remaining son or grandson of David. It was actually her seven-year-old grandson. She had to be killed. When her son uh, finally became King Isaiah, he, he died. He's the one of the names that is not listed in Jesus' genealogy. 
The son who finally was tempted to be killed, who eventually reigned after his father and Athaliah was killed by Jehu, I believe it is, in 2 Kings chapter 11, as she was executed by the priest outside of the temple. His son reigned, but he was evil and followed in the path of his mother and father, grandfather-in-law in evil in the world, and then his son as well. So three children who were in the line of the throne of David who are omitted probably because of the evil of their mother, grandmother. This is also a point to help us to understand Satan hated the line of Jesus. And he did whatever he could to try and destroy it and stomp it out and pollute it. Starting with Abraham and Ishmael. Going to the story last week from Tamar. The whole story of Tamar is about this issue of no desire to pass on the seed. Sad story with the fighting between uh, the seed of the woman who would bruise the head of the serpent. Satan was trying to fight the line of Jesus, even down to very King Herod, who ordered the death of all the boys who were born in Bethlehem. So Athaliah reminds us of an evil, wicked queen who attempted to wipe out the seed of David, but she couldn't. And I believe these three men are missing here because God wants us to understand it didn't work. You can't mess up God's plans. Satan won't win. And Satan can try whatever he wants and whatever he attempts to do. But he cannot undermine the plan of God. It will continue to accomplish its purpose. And listen to what Paul said in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And that verse alone makes Satan squirm because he hates it. Because he tried whatever he could in the Old Testament to try and prevent the coming of the Messiah. And he came. Jesus is the Messiah and don't you let any history channel or any liberal religious professor from Harvard or any Da Vinci Code book or movie that comes out cause you to doubt it. His family tree is perfectly followed by the will of God. So at the right place, in the right time, with the right uh, uh, events all putting together, Joseph and Mary met to raise the Son of God to fulfill all the promises of the Bible, just like God Sad. Can I remind you today that your life is not an accident? God is trying to bring you to Himself through His Son, and you are here for a purpose and a reason. God loves you, and your days are numbered, and you can fit into His family and in His family tree and be adopted into His family if you will just simply trust the promises of God. That Jesus has come into this world to suffer and die and pay for your sins. And if you will put your faith in Jesus, you can be included into this wonderful family of grace. But He won't force you. It's your decision and your choice. Don't give in to the lies of the devil. Don't give in to his evil tempting Satan hates Jesus and tried to do whatever he could to stop him. And he failed time and time again. And Satan is out to destroy your life and he hates this church. And he will do whatever he can to try and stomp this church out, stomp the gospel out, and eliminate the message of Christmas every season in America and around the world if he gets any type of success. As I read about the Capitol State Building in Iowa, how they have a manger scene that is set up to worship the devil. And in the place of Jesus in the manger, there is a goat. Can you imagine? The devil loves it when he can distort the message of Christmas. Because it is the message of Christmas that hits to the heart of the very problem of evil. Jesus is the answer. The last name, and we don't have time for it, but I can just mention to you is in 1 Chronicles chapter 3. And his name is Jehoiakim. He is the one that 
Jeremiah brought the words of Jeremiah to from God and handed them to them and they were read and he snatched them out of the servant's hand and he threw them in the fire to be burned. And because of his evil rebellion and ignorance of God's word, God had Jehoiakim omitted from the line of Jesus, cast into Babylon where he was killed. And Jeremiah prophesied when he was killed, they threw his body out on a heap. And the Jewish people were told, no funeral. Let his body rot and be eaten by the wild animals. Because God's judgment that comes upon those who reject his word. Um, I'm so thankful that God has a list in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life. And for those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life are marked by the grace and inclusion of God's love. But I'm going to tell you, if you get to heaven and you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, which you will, all of us will appear there. The great right throne judgment. The Bible says, whosoever's name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into the eternal lake of fire to be excluded, to be kicked out, for God to say, depart from me, I never knew you. That's the worst thing. That is the worst curse to ever have upon you is the curse of God. But you don't have to because Jesus Christ took your curse for you. If you will put your faith and trust in Jesus this Christmas season, you can know the love and hope and joy that comes. There's a lesson we learn from the people who are included. There's a good lesson that we learn, a warning from the people that are excluded. Father, I pray as we close this morning. Lord, so much history this, this morning. I understand that uh, it's often needed for us to talk through these obscure names. There wasn't sufficient a time to even go through the story of each one of these names that are omitted, but they're, they're, they're left out for a reason. And we need to know those. We need to know why. We need, to, we need to, to see the judgment of God on those who reject God's word. Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior before it is too late, if you were to come back this Christmas season or they were to get out in their car and on their way home today be in a, in a terrible accident and were to step out into this life and into the next, Lord, would they know without a shadow of a doubt that their names are written in the Lamb's book of life? that they're included in the family of God. What a privilege it is to be able to call you father, to be a son. If there is someone here today who has that heavy burden of the wrath of God upon them and they don't know Jesus as their savior, it's not by being baptized, it's not by giving money to the church, it's not by doing merits of grace or something like that. It is only by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And would they accept Christ before it's too late? Believers that are here, would, Lord, would the application today be to them the, the, the importance of, of not forgetting how serious you take sin and to realize what we've been saved from and what we've been included into and not take lightly our rebellion to the Word of God. And that, Lord, you, you, are, you are loving and you are caring, but your patience is limited and it is wrong for us to tempt you and to mock you. Would we be prepared? Thank you for this time of year that we can be reminded of some of these things in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand to your feet? Before we're dismissed in the service today, I'd like the ladies to play a song of invitation just before we leave to take a moment of prayer and reflection. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior today, you visited and you didn't anticipate a heavy history lesson, but would you know that Jesus loves you and that God sent his son to die for you and Satan attempted one right after another to destroy that gospel that we have today and he's still trying to do it today throughout the world in false religion, through politics, through blinding us to the truth. Would you this morning accept Jesus as your Savior? Make that decision. We'd love to talk to you after the service. Share with you how you can know Christ. 
That's what these kids sang, the message of Jesus, the Christmas story. Believers, I encourage you today, don't, don't ignore the details of the Bible that can point us to truth and can warn us of evil and rebellion that can creep into our heart when we decide to do things our own way. As she continues to play, before we close the service, just take a time of prayer. that she play through one more time then we'll close in prayer Father, thank you for your word and uh, thank you for these names and for the message of grace, uh, also the warning of your patience and mercy that uh, one day there is judgment and you take seriously those who are responsible for the word of God to come into the very, um, the very words of God and to have them and to ignore them and to reject them. Uh, to be cursed and to, to be excluded. What a terrible, embarrassing, and shameful thing. And Lord, uh, this Christmas season, there are many people who are looking for hope, and looking for joy, but it's in all the wrong places. Uh, Lord, would they find it in the message of Jesus Christ that they can, they can be part of your family. And uh, bless us as we go this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.